it's all professional. Like, <laughs> I still like super professional. Yeah. Yeah. We're on the Love and Community Theater. This is Five Toe Places. Thank you, Five. This is when we know we hit professional level. Right. <laughs> and then I fade it out. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Five Toe Places. <laughs> doing it up the very professional manner. Uh, because we've been doing this for a long time and we're, we're prepared. We're, we're yeah. Yeah, pros. <laughs> Good God. Um, <laughs> so hello everybody. I'm Jed. Oh, I'm Heather. I haven't done it in a while. <laughs> I'm Daniel. And you may have noticed we have a special guest who is not normally part of the panel. And it's even more noticeable because you can see him sitting right there. Video oh. is not something we've done terribly often on this no. show either. Have we ever videoed the... We had, once. No, we, yeah. we live streamed it once for... We're on Glad for the Pivot. Hello. <laughs> Greetings. My name is Austin Dean Ashford, and I am the artist in residence at Lubbock Community Theater Spring 2023. This is our first, uh, our first artist in residence. I think our first so. touring artist in residence. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 we've had, a, we've had another, but yeah. 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 So cool. I... The first touring? Oh man, that means like the connections are what's gonna happen now. That means you guys are gonna be open to. Oh, totally. <laughs> well, I, what I love about it is kind of doing this blueprint, and you're kind of being the guinea pig with that. So I, I appreciate all of your patience as we kind of wade through it. But yeah, I'd love to see us lay that foundation so that we can have other artists come through and that we can help kind of incubate something for them or they add us. I think it's kind of both. Mm -hmm. We help the artists and they help us, and it's, it's kind of a great give and take. So right here at the top of the show, we'll talk real quick, just real briefly about some of the performances and things you're going to be doing this semester at LCT, and we'll reiterate them again uh, at the end of the show, and um, and then as we go on, we'll shoot a couple more episodes that are specific to those different shows so we get more information about them out, but this episode I want to focus on who you are, what you do, that kind of thing like that. But, like I said, real quickly, coming up here in uh, just a couple of weeks now... Oh gosh, yeah. And by the and yeah, by the time y'all are seeing this, what a week and a half? Yeah. What are the dates? Oh, January twenty seventh, twenty eighth, and the 29th. That'll be Friday, January twenty seventh, <laughs> seven thirty. Doors open at seven. That'll be Saturday, January twenty eighth. Doors open at seven. Show starts at seven thirty. And Sunday, the 29th, Show starts at two thirty. Doors open at two p.m. You have three chances to see it. I I don't want you to miss out. On the opportunity because this is my Lubbock debut mm -hmm. for yeah. Black Book. For Black yeah, I was Book. Say, we haven't said the name yet. Black Book is a one man show, correct? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I'm now learning in class that it can also be called a monodrama. Oh. See, professional, the professional words are coming out. Monodrama, the solo play, or one person show. Um, singular vaudeville, whatever you want to consider, consider it to be. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to bring Black Book, my one-person show. I turned into about 13 different characters. Uh, the prep 13. And every, like, I saw, I've seen a little bit of your stuff, and every single one of them is so, you're so good at making everyone different. Thank you, I appreciate that. I love I've some of the promotional material you've sent us that you've done this so many places. You have to tell us all the Yeah, and we will definitely it. get into that. For this um, but I love... Even like the body movements, it's so much more than just the, because a lot of people think, oh, we change voice and accents and all of that. No, it's like, have you ever seen that movie Split? That's what I see. That's what I think about you because you're just like, oh, and in it and different. <laughs> I love it. 
So what's you were you were about to give us kind of the uh, elevator pitch for Black Book, the synopsis of what's the what's the show about? The show is about oh, so much. Uh, I think the quick pitch, if you want to say, what am I coming to see in the future? What happens when all teachers have guns, and what happens when an educator accidentally shoots and kills a black boy? I know, let it breathe. Yeah. And then some mysterious protagonist shows up as a substitute teacher to help the boys deal with the death using the activity of speech and debate. Period. Um, Like, what is the show about? I think it's about educational spaces that are forgot. I think some people kind of were able to remember it through the pandemic when everybody had to be at home with everybody, like the family, the whole wives and kids. But I think a lot of people forget there's a lot you have to navigate as like a, a high school kid. And there's also a lot you have to navigate as an educator. And I don't think I really recognize the educator side until I've kind of gotten older. But being with both plays, I think the play is really about how do you use an activity like speech and debate? I was fortunate enough to be um, very involved in speech and debate at a very young age. Um, I went to James Logan High School and my instructor Dr. Tommy Lindsay Jr. Uh, was the first black valid Victorian of the University of San Francisco, which is a private school. He also is an Angel Award winner on the Oprah show for $100,000 and was a MacArthur Genius Award winner. And this is my high school teacher who had taught me how to do speech and debate. Just a couple of credentials. This is the person who's literally teaching me all the foundation of fundamentals I have. They were going to make a movie about him, but I think the funny thing was Coach Carter came out and then the movie The Great Debaters came out. Mm -hmm. Funny enough, I ended up being able to go to the school, Wiley College, right on the other side of Texas. Well, West Texas now, but on the east side of Texas in Marshall, Texas, I think it's only about 20,000 population, but there's also two schools. There's also ETBU is there, East Texas Baptist University. Wiley College, home of the great debaters, the history of that school is so significant because during Jim Crow uh, era, this was a historical black college university that was doing debate um, at a time where black people were being lynched. Yeah. yeah. So the legacy of that comes, and that's when you start to hear like, who's James Farmer Jr., who's Melvin B. Tolson. Melvin B. Tolson was the first black speech and debate collegiate coach to only lose one debate round in 10 years during Jim Crow. Jeez. Oh so like, not even tournaments, just one round. The mm-hmm. team had only lost one round in a decade. Jeez. And that was between 1925 to 1935. So I get to go to that school after like the movie came out, I'm on a full ride scholarship because Denzel went, had been able to donate money to have like scholarships for like the next 10 years or something like that. Um, but when I was coming, that money was kind of running out. But fortunate enough, when I went, um, I won 21 national championships in speech and debate. I broke the record. I'm the most winningest black speech and debater in college from a historical black college of all time. Wow. And it was the first time in the movie it was fabricated because in the movie, Wiley College had beat Harvard. But in real life, we went against the USC and we lost. So in real life, my sophomore year, we won the big national tournament that we weren't allowed to compete at 100 years ago, and we were actually in real life the real national champions. And then we repeated again my senior year. 
Um, so with all that happened, I was fortunate enough to meet Denzel Washington. So I've seen video of that on your on your website, yeah. I got to meet him. I got to perform for him, and he cried during my performance. Uh, it was so awesome. I was like, like damn, that's like the movie tears. Like, How do you think? Like I'm getting one of the Denzels. Like that's like, right, right up there with me. all the other awards you've won. That's I, mean, I, don't even, I cannot even imagine having that feeling of that how you felt during that performance or that that person was watching you. It was so, because I grew up watching him so much. Um, so being able to say, whoa, the person who I watch is like watching me and they're moved to a point of, of tears. Mm-hmm. Um, then after, I remember he got up, he stood up and he was like, what was that? That thing that you're doing, you need to take that around the world. Everyone needs to see what you do around the world. And he wrote a letter of recommendation for me to go to graduate school. Mm. Prior to graduate school, I'd never seen nor been in a play before. Yeah. Um, so I thought I was going to all these different schools, but I ended up going to University of Arkansas because their focus was Meisner. They did stuff for the screen and also it was one person to show. And my first year I got in as an actor, but then they found out all the things that I did for writing. So now I got to be on the acting track and the playwriting track at the same time. So the easiest way for me to do assignments for both tracks was to act in the things that I wrote. And thus your career as a solo performer was... Just kind of went... But also my school, we didn't have like the big showcases like a lot of schools like NYU or Juilliard have all the agents. So I was like, man, the best way to get people to see my work was for me to create a work that was a showcase of what I can do. So I think that I earlier created, I was like, oh, I have to have something so when I graduate, I can be able to get a, an agent. But the funny thing was, the first play I made was Island Trap. That did really well, but Black Book is the second play I've ever made. Mm-hmm. And it was able to win. There's this competition called the Kennedy Center American College Theater Festival. They call it KCACTF, Texas Tech. Yeah. Does phenomenal. Yeah. That's the reason why I know about the program. So they're broken up into multiple regions. The region that we're in right now is region six. I was able to do my play Black Book at region six and we won best new play. Now the reason why that was so big is because these festivals are entire collegiate programs. Like I'm going against like full-fledged musicals, mm-hmm. lights, dancing, movement around these big stages. And on the big stage, really just me up there by myself yeah. doing the production against like seven, eight productions who are the best of their district the best of their mm-hmm. state, these were the top of just around. And it won best new play, outstanding new work, um, and then it went to the national level, and then again it won best new work, and I won the Rosa Parks Playwriting Award, as well as a Kennedy Center Citizen Artist Award, as well as an Outstanding Performer Award, and then also the director who helped me, Dexter Singleton won an award. And the reason he helped me was because when I was at Theater Squared in Arkansas, they allowed me as a graduate student to enter myself in the new play festival. So he was working on another play that I was in, but he was willing to just hang out an extra hour to help me on my one person show. Little probably did he know that eventually it would just like <laughs> start to take off. So I just appreciate him being, people who hang out on the theater just because people love the art I'm really appreciative of that story because it's like, dang, he didn't have to hang out for loving the art. And it's like, we ended up making something that was really, really special. So the cool thing about Black Book is even that Denzel opportunity that I told you about meeting him. Oh, the second time I met Denzel Washington. There's, there's more than one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, they created the first 
HBCU national tournament where it's all black colleges, and they asked me to come back, and then I saw him, he was giving another award, and someone from the back of the room, and he was like, oh my gosh, I remember you come up. And he asked me to speak on his behalf of him donating another million dollars after not seeing me for like two or three years. Man. I was like, oh my goodness. So those experiences are all in the play as well. As I tried to, what I love about the play is I also, for people who weren't involved in speech and debate, it's an opportunity to be in a classroom. So when my mom saw the play for the first time in December, she was like, wow, I feel like I learned a little bit about speech and debate that I didn't know, because it's like kind of this weird, mysterious thing if you never participated mm -hmm. in it. Mm -hmm. So I think the cool thing is audience members who've heard about it is the audience shifts into the classroom to where you also can't just sit there like I interact with you. You can't just sit there and think that I'm just going to do all the work. That's not how the play works. It's very, very interactive. So, man, so many things when I think about what is the play about. I think the play is definitely about education and some places where, and I don't blame the human for the things that is wrong with the systemic issues of education, mm -hmm. but I want to talk about the human experience that exists within the systemic thing of education. How it's also really hard for teachers. Yeah, It's really, really hard for teachers, especially those teachers who want to care and might want to do something outside the rules, but the rules are so difficult. It's like, what can you do? And also, they don't make enough. Like, if they could, I bet a teacher would be able to like, I'm just going to buy all of your guys' books, all of you food, all of you clothes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but how much that would, like, cost, it's like, it's not really possible. So in a way, it's my ode to speech and debate for an activity that allowed me to be able to be where I'm at right now, being able to get my PhD, because it wasn't for Denzel Washington for my undergraduate degree to get me to my master's, mm -hmm. to not where I'm getting my PhD. If it wasn't for those experiences, I wouldn't be here. And the conversation with him really sparked me even to go into theater, because like, you need to take, I was like, I don't know how to take this around. Oh, maybe, <laughs> right? maybe theater or teach me after. I was like, oh, dang, it actually worked. And it's linking together. It's an ode to teachers, because I've also had to teach before. And there's just so much unsung heroism that goes in saying, I'm preparing a lesson plan. I'm trying to make sure to understand the language of the student and participant so I can alter and make sure I get this information to them and how it feeds that person best. Because the way that person learns, that person learns, and that person learns is differently. Mm -hmm. But when this room is over, I need you all to have the information you need. to. And yeah. some teachers really go the extra mile. Mm -hmm. I remember Lindsay used to give me like, ties and suits because in speech mm -hmm. you need suits and suits are expensive so yeah, yeah. you're like oh man here's a suit so like dang first time i have a suit no one ever really yeah. taught me how to tie a tie so it's like there's certain things that you're learning about decorum and listening um that was i was like man and i also spent so much time in speech debate all through high school all through college and i've taught national champions too in middle school high school and college too so on the coaching side I've also coached national champions too and i was like man when i left that world I was like, these are some rich experiences. And then I was in the middle of grad school, I just finished Island Trap, and somebody put in front of me the play Speech and Debate. And I can't remember who it's by. I can't remember, no worries, we'll be edited out. <laughs> I can't remember, so I can't remember who Speech and Debate is by, but I looked at the play, and then it was on Netflix, and I was like, okay, somebody made right, something about yeah. Speech and Debate, I wanna check this out, I actually did this, and I watched this, and I was like, this is not what I did. <laughs> this is not what I gave up all my weekends for. What is this? Yeah. And then I was like, oh. And anybody who's a writer, if you ever feel that passionate about anything, you're supposed to write about it. Hmm. So I was like, well, if I don't like what they did, then how would I do it better? What would I make it different for me? I was like, oh. 
what is the black boy Afrocentric lens of this activity that people may not see um, from the speaking side? Because in the movie, The Great Debate, we saw the debate side, but people don't know about the speaking and the speech and the interpretive side. Uh, so I said, okay, it's an opportunity to be an ode to that activity, an opportunity to be an ode to black teachers. There's only less than 2% of people have had black male teachers. Have any of you guys ever had black male teachers? Oh, no, shoot. The place where I went to high school, there was one black person total the entire kindergarten through 12th grade experience. That's what I, I've had black yeah. women teachers, but never men. No. no. Yeah. I, have, I have one friend that I know that's in the education system that's a, a black teacher. Two. Yeah. I know two in Glen Lubbock. Yeah. Yeah. So the percentages are like just so small, so I want to give an ode to them to say like, I know you get exhausted, but you know, this is the impact it has when you are around. This is, so yeah. people can know too. Um, but what I also like too is, even though I said, you know, it does this for black, it does this for black, I also think it gives an inside opportunity for allies to say, what's going on and how do I become an ally? What can I do? Mm -hmm. Like, how can I? So like we see in these situations that are going on, when you support these activities, whether it's speech and debate, whether it's theater, these activities are giving young people a voice. It's giving them an outlet, which is extremely necessary. So I kind of wanted to give an ode to the people who are helping uplift and maintain outlets for people to continue to express, specifically at a time like now. Mm -hmm. So I'm not super long about what is a play about, but, no. but these are some of the things that the play is about. It's exciting. Because Island Trap, I saw when you were here last time, and I am excited. This is the last special event we had before we shut down. Because yeah, it was really, we only had one, one other play main season after show after that, but you were the last, like, second to last. We had a main season show, but you were the special one. Because I went up January 2020. Yeah. So somebody went up February and March, it was over. It was a wrap. Yeah. We yeah. were actually rehearsing a show at that time, and we shut down. We, yeah, we were five days out from opening we were when we got shut out. Oh! Like, we were getting ready to move into the theater. So we have fond memories of being able to watch you as one of oh, the last no. like, live. So, because I remember even when we did your sound on tap, yep. it was already starting to be weird to, like, shake people's hands because there was, like, it was still, like, in the air. Like, people were mm -hmm. starting to talk about it, but it was still, because I think that was in late February. Late February is when um, it happened. Thank you. And so, uh, yeah, so it was interesting uh, looking back on that. And, like, we got that in just in time because it would have been... Even just like a couple weeks later, I don't think we would have done it. So, wow, that's interesting. That was, I do want to say though, doing oh. that January, that introduction to LCT was so awesome. Man, I was excited about the you. community. I didn't know how the community was going to receive it. Or, do you guys were, what was the community saying? I probably wasn't. You were like, what? One, you had one show and had people come, and it, it was like nearly sold out, but it still had a few seats left. And then that word of mouth, within 15 hours, we pretty much sold out. They were stand, people were trying to get tickets to get in, yeah. which means you need to get your tickets soon because yeah, we parked this before <laughs> and we will not stop parking. Do not on it wait. Until, like, yeah, don't. Tickets to Black Book and Island Trap are already uh, they're up there on the website. So. Get them now. And we'll talk more about a thing called Solo Fest soon. By the time this episode goes up, that you'll be able to register for that or get tickets for the I just, I so. stand by. It's it's even an extra level of respect for an artist and everything that we try to do here. Because the easiest way for someone to support the arts 
buy a ticket to the show. Yeah. And mm -hmm. even on that, mm -hmm. if you do it, as soon as you know you're going to go, go get it. Because one, that boosts the morale of the, the artist that's working. It assures you that you get the seat that you want. It's like, it's just a good, set the tone, my friends. Set the I, tone. Well, and early. you buying in advance helps us to bring in more that's touring right. artists. You're more likely those. to have other artists come in if you can buy tickets. Because artists, touring artists will cancel a show if, and Lubbock's very notorious for that. It's notorious for last minute sales. But that's why we lose out on so many touring artists because if they can't guarantee that they're going to get those ticket sales, then they just cancel the show and they move on to the next venue, the next city. Yeah. And I just, we, we love our artists here and I think that we have such a great, like, not even an underbelly because I think we're vibrant with it. Our artist community is vibrant, but we don't always buy your ticket early. Yeah, one of the <laughs> coolest things about um, when you did Island Trap before was how many people came back and saw it at least mm -hmm. one, if not two more times. Like, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, because there were a couple people who, like, went and saw it on Thursday and Friday or <laughs> Friday yeah, and uh, Saturday. Yeah. Um, I can't which one I actually. I remember people saying, like, oh, they told their mom or they told their kid or, like, no, you got to come back before it's done. I definitely remember that energy coming back. But people coming twice, I love that. I, re I remember us announcing back in December that you were coming and we were already getting. When, when are tickets going up? Yeah. Is he coming? Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. We love seeing him before. Like, I think you, you, ha you have a, a pretty nice following here in Lubbock. I think that people enjoy your work, they enjoy what you're about. But it's even more than that. It's not even just about your artistry. I think you as a person like you're vibrant you the stories that you tell like they're yeah. well because i've been because for three years now i've been telling about everybody like about how how much fun i had at that show and my wife uh rachel um who's been on this podcast many times before um had never met you but she'd heard me talk about you a bunch had seen the episode of sound on tap because i was like you have to watch this one it's the best episode we've done um and so when she finally got to meet you, like, last week or whatever, she said, okay, so you were right. And, like, <laughs> and I was like, it's like, I wasn't lying. Like, yeah, like, you're just, I don't know, you're just, I think your enthusiasm Feels is so ad addictive. Like, or not addictive. Uh, what's the word for? Contagious? Yes. That, it, like, like, you just, you come in and you're like, let's do this. And it's like, I do want to do this. I do, I do. <laughs> so, when we took, went on a tour of LCT, it was almost like he was standing in the room and he becomes your personal hype man. Mm -hmm. Like, because we've been we've been around LCT and we've been working on things for so long. And even oh. then, the newness that we have, the new building and all the new programs or the growing programs that we have, oh. it's so easy to get bogged down and say, oh, we still got so far to go, or we had these issues, or this, you know, just all these challenges. And you forget, oh my, look at what we've done. Mm. And watching fresh eyes who saw what we were like mm. beforehand mm. and where we are now, like, you just, the the energy you gave to everybody, like, all right, let's go, we're ready to work. Look at what, yeah, it's contagious, the energy for sure. Cool. I'm excited to work in the space. Yeah. Uh, and I'm also excited I'm glad that I don't have to build from the bottom, bottom like last time saying, hey, so it's not like you're saying, have you heard of one person show? Have you ever heard of this guy before? But some people could actually say, no, I've seen him before. I've seen it. Yeah. But I, and I don't know if you guys let me know for being crazy, but I also want to I want to build off of it this time. So I want to see how can this time grow from last time from now of me. One, I've gotten way better, but also, two, I feel like. 
I know more people in the community to kind of help bring people out so it shouldn't be the same as necessarily as last time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh man, when I first got into town, I think I got into town on first Friday, January. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we immediately saw the theater and immediately went to first Fridays. And when I went to first Fridays, I was like, oh man, hi. Oh man, hi, I remember, oh, oh, hey, oh, 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 we're back. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I, that feeling, I was like, oh. And I was also glad to say that I'm bringing Island Trap, but also I have something new that I know you guys haven't seen before. Yeah. So as much as it's like it's cool to bring something back for people who have seen, to so the people who've missed out a chance, but also say, even if you have seen it before, I still have something new for you that you haven't seen. And I'm really excited just to kind of activate the space. I know I keep saying this every single time. I'm like, man, three rehearsal rooms. Like, <laughs> three rehearsal rooms is crazy. There's a purple room, a black room, there's a green room. Uh, the fact that I can even have an office to go ahead and play, and I've sat in there several times. I don't know if you've seen, but I've sat there. It's been. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that artist in resident room is getting is getting u- utilized. I mean, that's that's kind of the vision. It's this to be mm-hmm. the space to workshop new ideas. To be part. The, it's for the community. It's it's the difference of just just be even being just a community theater. The vision is to be a performing arts community center and not just theater. That's that's film, that's that's audio, that's podcast, that's journalism, that's writing, that's music and dance and having the space we have for artists in all walk, all ability levels to come in and use the space. That's that's the goal. So you're actually sitting here using it for that purpose and it just feels it's oh, exactly what I've been wanting to I also have. want to say I thank you guys because letting me have like a blank slate. I know I have a big brain with a whole bunch of ideas all the time. I know. But this is almost a dream to be able to come to a space and you guys say, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, wait a minute. This is really like a, an Amazon wish list? What do I really want to do? And you guys are like, yeah, I don't think there's an idea of throw net that you're like, no, we can't do. You're just trying to figure out how to make it practical. And then, and we're going. Like, you guys have no idea who watching this video. I have been hounding them about assets <laughs> every... The only reason I say this and I feel like I'm being able to be comfortable is here is I understand that admission. I understand that administration and post-production production side if you want to have something successful. Yeah. So I'm always kind of like, all right, what are we doing for commercials? What are we doing for flyers? Who do we got to go talk to? Who do we have to invite to be able to have to come here? How are we going to go ahead and run ads? What type of angles do we do? Do we need lighting for this? What are we doing for sound? Is the audience going to have a microphone? Are we going to have a microphone over here? Are we going to have a microphone for the stage? What day? What kids would come? If we're going to do a workshop, what type of workshop would we do? And they are answering every single question back within the next, actually really, really fast, because some people will be like, Austin, I'll let you know by the end of day. At da, 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 da. It's like boom, boom. And I'm even, you guys have even given me space to work on the other stuff. I'm like, can I have a musical stand? I need multiple binders. Like, da, 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 da. And I'm literally able to work here nonstop in the way that I'd want to as in a dream space. And I think another thing I was cool about it too is I'm over here doing all this all over. There's also other people in this space doing all different types of stuff. There's a main stage going on. Somebody's over there rehearsing over there. Somebody's, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's just, it's a very active, creative space that I enjoy being in. And I'm also hoping... There's 300 people a week that goes through that space? Pretty much surely. Yeah, we, we had to go by the theater and pick up uh, a couple of things before we came here. And it was the first time I'd been there when there wasn't other people in a very long time. Usually, anytime <laughs> I go there, yeah. there's already other stuff going on. But it was early enough on a Saturday that it was there yet. So. Yeah, because we'll have anywhere from one to three different shows rehearsing at any given time. We have our children's program. 
uh, the Stages Play or Horizon. We have WTDR there. Mm -hmm. We have uh, our staff. It's just, and then volunteers. I mean, the volunteers come through so much, and the class. I love, it. and I love that you recognize that part of it because sometimes it is. It's trying to help that artist understand. Because you and I have talked about that a lot. It's not even just about the art. It's how do you get it out? How do you manage it? How do you budget it? How do you make this successful so that success in the arts means something so different for me than when I was a teenager thinking, oh, I want to go to Broadway and I want to do all this. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying those aren't wonderful goals depending on the artist, but my goal was how can I get to support my family? How can I live a life that is creating, that is providing art? And what does that mean? And so... That means the business end of it. That means the administrative side. That means, you know, scheduling and calendars and taxes. And, like, no. it just means all those things. And so having you kind of understand that side of it and actually be excited about it instead of it being detrimental is a breath of fresh air, too, I think, sometimes. Because it's not always... It's those artists' minds that can marriage the business, which is... I mean, why I, I think that I'm good at what I do too, because I'm a creative, but I'm also business minded. Mm -hmm. And so I love vibing like with, with people that see both, like see both, the value in both of us. So thank you for being here too. <laughs> Talk shop. I love throwing stuff at a wall. We can throw a hundred things at the wall and go, you know what, this one works. This one works, let's go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you were just like listening or watching in before we did this, we were just doing a full-on marketing scheme for the next year. <laughs> like, you know, and that's, and the reason why I love that is because things are kind of being connected is as we're pushing Black Book right now, which is going to be awesome. I do want anybody who was about to watch it to recognize it has won eight awards from the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C., which is the United States of America's official performing arts location. It's performed at that space in the Terrace Theater, the Millennium Stage and the Reach. For those of you who don't know, those are just three different venues at the Kennedy Center for this specific play. Wow. Um, but it's coming here, and the only reason I think that's so important and why I love working in community theater too is I feel like sometimes you can say you want to do a play and people don't recognize that you don't have to be on Broadway for mm -hmm. your dream or your story to be told or dream to come true. So I also kind of like, and sometimes there's no, and I know I'm saying this on the podcast, so it doesn't come out bad, but it also might be a really good clip. Regional theaters need to support communities more. They need to stop being so intangible, intangible, saying, oh, uh, I know the whole equity talking, da, 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 but also it's tough filling up seats after the pandemic. Yes. Um, so in order to do that, we have to be different. We have to be able to be innovative. And in order to be different and in order to be innovative, you have to try new things. Yeah. So we have to try to find a way for people, because everybody's not on Broadway because everybody doesn't live in New York. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a story worth being told so theater can exist mm -hmm. in every single space. And yes, I know the professionals, people need their equity, they need their breaks. Yes, they do. But there's always a tier. And I don't want to say below that. I want to say next to it that wants to tell stories. So I'm also hoping with my collaboration with you that someone's gonna literally say, you see what Austin do with LCT? Let me go watch this play. Let me go, let me go see, see what this is about. Oh, he just kind of stood up there and played all the characters. I can do that. 
Oh, they having a little festival teaching, man. I'm, well, let me see. I can, I can do this. Okay. That's a natural segue into if they wanted to learn how to do it. <laughs> so, uh, so show where could they go? Um. You can come to Solo Fest, but I also like how Solo Fest is happening at the community theater because I'm hoping for us to create relationships for artists who are similar liking what I'm doing to have a space where they recognize, oh, I, oh, I came there for Solo Fest. I actually was in like Chicago or SpongeBob, but I never actually thought that I could be up there by myself yeah. with something that I wrote and that I'm acting in. I actually didn't think that I could do that. And then once they think that they could do it, they know that they can do Maybe after this festival, because they'll have the assets of the video of the show, they'll have the flyer, they'll have their synopsis, they'll have the program, they can say, hey, I want to extend this to a full 45-minute show, where would I put it up? Yeah. The same place we just kind of developed yeah. it. And if you don't want to do it there, and if you want to take it back a step, it's like, all right, I had the 10-minute version, or I had the half-hour version, I'm going to write the 45-minute-hour version, where am I going to do the first stage reading? Because a lot of people, you learn or even you go to school, and this is the tough thing about when you go to schools, is you learn how to put stuff up at school, but when you graduate, you don't come back and put stuff up at the school. Yeah. So where do you do it now? The regional theater is going to say, are you equity? Do you have any New York Broadway credits? And you're like, well, no, <laughs> no, I don't. So where are you going to do your play? And it's like, well, you're going to, well, I still always advocate doing it in your mama's living room or the grandma's garage, always, because those are still cool, because I come from the fringe. But the community theater, which I think the regional theater needs to do more, is like people are actually local, give them an opportunity and a space to produce their art and to tell their stories so then people don't feel like they have to, that theater's this intangible thing on 42nd Street in New York. And they can get accessible. It should be extremely uh, accessible. Also, that thing that you want to do, you can do it. Like, you can be a director. You might be oh, man, I've only ever been a prop person. I probably could never be a director. I've only done lights. I don't ever think I'd do a one-person show. And the cool thing about it is it also allows you to get up and take it and go other places. Not to say anything bad about other plays, but to say your six castmates, your director, and the lighting person can just get up and go with you wherever you want to go. It's yeah. not liable to happen, but you say, oh, you might be visiting family somewhere else, but you have a connection with the community theater over there, and now it's like, oh, now your plays happened here, mm -hmm. and it's happened there. Or even, I will say, a scale up, and I love scaling it back to show how easy it is. After you've done the 10-minute or the 30-minute version, having that hour-long stage reading is good, too, because that's why I love new play development. I'm definitely going to be developing a whole bunch of stuff in this theater, right? I'm doing it right now. What we're doing, Solo Fest, I'm not only working on Pinocchio Andre, I'm working on two other plays at the same time right now. I'm in that, I'm in that room as a madman right now. The, like, and then the music stands are up, I got highlighters, I am going crazy right now. Yeah. Just because we have a space where you can go crazy. Y'all yeah. mm -hmm. don't know how things are, you know, there's, 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 there's a significant other, there's kids, there's time, there's work, da -da 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 -da, everything's being pulled. So it's like, oh no, I actually have an opportunity and a space where I'm like, oh. If I'm at the theater, I don't have to worry about saying, like, oh, it's a black box and somebody's in the black box, so I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Unless I want to practice in the green room and be weird. It's like, oh, you guys are in the purple room? Cool, I'll go to the green. Oh, you guys are in this in the green? Cool, I'll go to the black. Like, it's like, oh. There there's so is many, a whole like... color-coded calendar in <laughs> those rooms. That... Thank you, Rachel. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I, and I love And thank you to that. the team. I'm also just hoping that people want to 
want to try something new. I know this is the weird time where I'm kind of like now super advocating for Solo Fest. But the reason why I'm super advocating for it is because as much as I love ensemble work, solo work also is not completely non-ensemble. Mm-hmm. I strongly suggest that if someone's just starting, you should not direct your own show because that's just too much in your own head. Yeah. Um, but also think of like the person who's doing costume shouldn't be you. The person who's doing lighting shouldn't be you. So you're still doing an ensemble. Group. Sometimes the dramaturg shouldn't be you either. Dramaturgs are so important. Yeah. They're so important. Unsung hero. Um, I think if people go through that process, you're like, oh, dang, you actually have your own thing. There's a different sense of pride as a theater maker. Because, you know, like true theater makers, not to diss anybody else, but true theater makers who have, like, done scenic design before. They've had to light something before. They've had to make a costume before. They've had to do the makeup before. They've had, who've done all these different spots. Like, you know, they're like the ultimate, like, interdisciplinary, utilitarian person. But they're usually, and this is because good theater people are really nice, they're usually supporting somebody else. So it's really cool for someone to have something on their own to say, wow, I have something that's in the theater realm that I can get up and, and share that's like mine. You don't have to say, oh, I have to get the rights to do that. No, you're the rights. You don't have to, I hope Samuel French responds back to my email. Like, <laughs> no, that's completely 100% on you. And the cool thing is, too, is you also give, and this is the part I think the community doesn't know, recognize how much it benefits is now locally we have theater coming from people we know so those seats mm-hmm. always are going to feel a little mm-hmm. bit better mm-hmm. because now mom, dad, auntie, cousin, cousin, classmate, ex-co-worker, everybody can now come see you right here because you built something for them to be able to come see. So now we're having great community actual events being filled in the space. I love that. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even really necessarily think of think about it in that in that aspect it's still can all the connections that happen with that just taking the time to be able to create that piece of art for the people even here it, it the purpose doesn't have to be Broadway it doesn't have to be is mm-hmm. to create and connect especially when you're from here you have a certain language that only people in this county will understand with details in the way you're telling a story. Mm-hmm. So as much as like the story's, oh man, this story about that, it's like, yeah, but when somebody from here, this story, when they're saying certain things or milestones or signifiers, the, what do they call them, idiosyncrasies will be so like connected that you're like, oh man, this was like really good. Like I've never been to Abilene, but that Abilene play <laughs> was very Abilene. <laughs> like, and, and, that's, and that's really cool. And I also think it's just necessary for people to say, not to say that there's, I don't want to say levels to the art because it comes like this. That I guess there's, there's panels to the art. And I think some people don't recognize that the panel that they're in is also very, very, very valuable. Because if you're able to put up a play in your city, that means there's another city nearby that wouldn't mind to be able to see it again. Like if you, if you, you could put up a one-person show and you come to the solo fest, you do it here pretty sure there's somewhere we can find a way for you to do it in like Abilene or Level Land or Amarillo or Odessa or Paso. Mm-hmm. Now you're able to tour your place to play to six, seven other places. Mm-hmm. Depending on your content, you can take it to high schools. You can take it to, like you can get up and go. So like for example, even that, so I'm, I'm on the board of uh, Texas Nonprofit Theaters, which is community, a network of community Oh theaters, my right? gosh, you just I, blew my mind. Actually, and this little extra plug, I am literally on a panel next week with the American Association of Community Theaters, which is AACT, talking about community theater and staff and how can you provide for your community. So the idea of taking, like you just said, this solo fest right now, 
having those connections with all those community theaters across, even for example, state of Texas, you you could book that right then. All that 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 uh, that network of community theaters. And your career's in your hands then. It's not in some like super far place. And this probably sounds bad too, but for some of us who are like, you know, we're a little bit of adults, we got other things in our mind. We could really do this if we wanted to on the weekends. Yeah. Like I do what I need to do Monday through Friday. Oh, but on Saturday and Sunday, I'm gonna drive down. I know a place in Dallas that wants me to go real quick. I'll do try and I could come right back. So now I could do what I need to do to sustain myself and live my dream kind of at the same time and meet connections and meet new people. You have a good relationship with the place. They will let you come back. Yeah. Yep. Want you. Want you to come back. Yes, you do need to finish your show. Yes. That's a two person. It's not a one person. But well, maybe you both need to come into one person's show to get that fire ignited to then say I'll do my duo show. And then y'all will both have two shows. There you go. Uh, I got, I mean, to me, the amount of stories that I have brewing in my head about that I wanted to write and have not felt like I have prioritized taking that time. My brother and I, I'm telling you, we, I just, it's time, it's time to write. That, I think that's what you have even ignited in, in my, I'm ready. I'm and give ready yourself to put the time and space. If you never had the time and space, you'd be like, oh, no one's ever just let me like sit in a room and say, what do I want to say? Or how many characters yeah. do I want to turn into? Or how do I ever want to move? Um, I think if you guys just give yourself that opportunity, because even now I still kind of like, I'm when you guys are doing it, I'm going to be doing it too. I'm going to write something whole new. Like, yeah. the idea of like, birth and cover something with news, because there's so many stories we have within us. It's like, what? Do you want to tell something true? Do you want to do something that's not true? Do you, and even that, <laughs> that in itself, could just at least you sitting there for like, oh, I don't know what I want to write. <laughs> do I want to tell something like that was about my life? Do I want to like, do, do like a blend of it? Do I want to play multiple people? Do I not? Question, do any of you have an idea of what? You would want to do for a one-person show? Oh, I have no idea. For a one-person, no. No, because for our show, it, I mean, it's totally just the story of our, of our friendship over the years. Um, but one person, I don't know. That's hunger. For sure. That's um, something to air? Come on. I got, okay, so I have this series of things. Is that when I'm, I, have de- I have dealt with a lot of different loss and death in my time period. But even looking back, I look back and laugh at so much of it. So like my, uh, I wanted to, I had a whole title for it. The day we put my mother in the ground and other funeral anecdotes, stuff like that. Mm. But like my dad coming in full chieftain regalia to the First Baptist Church and being shown out the door or uh, the grave diggers out on the side in the pouring rain and the preacher like, increasingly yelling to get louder when it was just us four sitting there it's just so i know that it sounds like traumatic and it it was it was there was trauma and a lot of that stuff but it was so hilarious to me at the time too and i know that i can express it in such a way that people go oh i'm so but laugh like i'm so sorry that happened to you but laugh while they're like oh my gosh i can't believe that happened i know it's there i know it's there Oh, you're already on fire. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready you're to create something. Yeah. I have so many thoughts. Are you guys thinking about yours right now? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to go with it. I don't know. I don't know. I might, I might take a route of adapting, find, finding a story that I'm a big fan of and kind of adapting it to a one-person performance of mm-hmm. something like that. But so we're all going to take this class is what I'm hearing. <laughs> the only reason I say I would strongly suggest is I don't know who else could teach this better than me Nobody. within 300 miles. 
and it's yeah. gonna give you as much personal experience that I can give us like how to get up and go. And also the cool thing is this sounds like so corny is the right one person show is the perfect keynote for the perfect event. If you mm-hmm. recognize your one person show as a message and that message is actually for the right audience, you're like So you never know. Yeah. Because you might be saying that, and then there might be like an entire organization that's about bereavement. Yeah. Or even like so. So when you were talking about Black Book, it's like it's educators, it's it's gun violence, it's speech and debate, it's uh, bereavement and loss, it's all of those different topics, even right there that it would. Yeah. And that's then you brilliant. can keep, and you know, I think when also people can recognize too is like once you kind of get to the message. Because every piece has a message. So sometimes you can start, oh, I want to kind of start from the how do I have a beautiful feel. It's like, oh. And we're like, oh, how do I find a message? What message do I want to use? What message do I want to tell? I usually say, what lesson have you personally learned that sticks out to you most right now? Mm-hmm. Is it a lesson of like, speak up for yourself, respect others, it's never too late. It's usually one of those type of like lessons. You're like, oh, that one. And then sometimes it's like back here. Okay, what was the location of this? Okay, that's gonna be my setting. Who are the characters involved? Hmm. Who's kind of a positive force and negative force? Okay, we're gonna kind of split you guys up, put you on different sides. And some people, you know, try to play both sides depending on the moment. And then you kind of, kind of get that like beginning, middle, and end. Get that climax. You're like, oh man, I kind of have some. I have some stuff kind of going on, putting together here. And the only trick that I start to tell people is, this is also, if you can, use one person show as a showcase. So tell me, what are you good at? Like, what do you like? Can you sing? Can you dance? Can you draw? Are you good at impersonations? Like, what are the things that you're good at? I will say, even you bringing this idea of Solo Fest 2 is that we're going to workshop for, like, this first festival of its kind for us uh, probably even regionally here I would imagine mm-hmm. I'd, I'd have to don't quote me on that but I would say that that's yeah. probably a fairly unique idea it really got me thinking about so what other th- yeah like what other things could, could we do a solo dance where mm-hmm. someone would come in and help teach someone mm-hmm. how to you know use their storytelling within the mode of, Discipline. of, of dance mm-hmm. or music I, so I, I, I love that aspect of trying to figure out how to adapt that for whatever, because again, it's not even, for me anymore, it's not just about live theater, it's about performing art, and performing art is so many different levels at this point. And so it was interesting to see how we can do that. And I don't, that we're focusing on the writing because this master uh, class is going to be uh, amazing. It's just kind of been brewing it's kind of brewing how can we do other things with that and even capitalize on that and i don't know it's kind of exciting to think about that yeah i think of like musicians i think of singers mm-hmm. i was thinking of like solo painters art shows how can films that are made by solo people mm-hmm. um can you imagine a solo show where the person's actually painting that while they're speaking that they're painting this image or totally. something yeah, like yeah, that yeah. too like that would be cool or yeah. there's just I love the energy that you are bringing and the creativity, and it's inspiring. It's inspiring to, the minute you walked in the door, 
our staff has been inspired, the young people that have come in and met with you, you've been touring to all these classes, and I, you inspire every single person that you come into contact with to just go create. Oh, wow, that's awesome. That's what a high honor to even hear something like that. I got to go to Atkins Middle School. <laughs> Thank you, Zach. <laughs> Thank you, Zach. That was uh, so awesome. Because at first I could tell when I walked in, and when I was walking around the, with the ukulele and everyone was just kind of like, you know when kids want to know like who you are but are too nervous to ask, so they'll just stare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they'll just stare, and I'll just be like, hi, and I'll be like, and they'll be like, run the screw off away until it wasn't different. Like, who's that? What are they doing? What are they doing? Went to the theater room, and then all of a sudden, all the kids were just, they, they were like dead silent for a second because they wanted to know who I was or what was happening. The teacher was very kind, told them who I was, what was happening, showed them the flyer. They showed the flyer, and I was like, ooh. That is a good looking flyer. <laughs> Like what's this? We told him what the play was. At the ukulele I played, and I asked. I was like, "Have any of you guys ever seen a play before?" I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. Some of them were like, "Oh, is it SpongeBob?" Zach Judah, SpongeBob. Thank you. <laughs> and then I was like, "Have any of you seen a one-person show before?" And they got quiet. This one girl was like, "Yeah, yeah, my cousin done one." I was like, "What's the name of the one that your cousin did?" She said, "I don't know." <laughs> I was like, "Do you remember what it was about?" She's like, "Nope." Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I know. Um, and then I told him, I was like, so I'm going to turn into 13 different characters in an hour and tell it by telling one story. And they were all just like, how? Like, and I was like, well, wow. let me show you guys how to turn into three different characters. I was like, who wants to come over here and deal with me? And then one brave little girl was like, me. And after she saw her get up and decide, and all of a sudden, like, they were like, me too, me too, I want to try too. <laughs> and I they all that. got up, and I did a light workshop with them just about character work and body, and they're all changing characters. And I was like, see, you see what you guys are doing with these three? I'm doing that for 13. And they were like, we want to come to the play, we will come. And then um, I, I saw well, this thing called Solo Fest. I was going to invite you guys to the Solo Fest. So you guys know what a 10 minute play is? And they're like, oh yeah, we're writing 10 minute plays somewhat soon. So do you guys have your ideas for 10 minute plays? They are like, no. It's like, can I help you guys brainstorm? They are like, yes. And the teacher was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we just talking about like setting and location, did a couple of writing prompts, and by the end, some kids had like whole stories nice. that they wanted to tell from scratch. And I was like, oh man, the cool thing about this, is which I appreciate again about LCT was, when you're a regular artist and you're putting things up as far as your play, you say, oh, I'm going to collaborate with this theater, put the play up. But you have to do the groundwork of connecting with the community so the community says, oh, this artist who kind of gave back to us, I'm willing to give my time back to them and go to the show. Because now, man, they kid never saw me again in their life, and now they might go home and be like, mom, dad, this guy came in class, don't talk about characters. Uh, I need you to talk to my teacher so I can get the information about coming to the play. Cause I want to go to the play, and also I think I want to turn into characters too. <laughs> and those are people that may have never set foot in LCT before. Yeah, yeah. But they made that connection. I'm telling you, inspiring is what you do. I know that those kids felt that. I hope so. Yeah, that's exciting. I'll probably touch you guys' the ears off. This is, I guess, the first episode of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna we're, we wanted to get this episode out to just get you to meet Austin, get to know him have an idea who our artist in residence is and talk a little bit. Like I said, we've got uh, Black Book is coming up here at the end of January. I got all the dates. You ready? Yeah. <laughs>
Boom. So this is the part that's probably going to get cut and used for the promotion. Check it out. Lubbock Community Theater. We're here doing Black Book. It is the debut of Black Book in Lubbock at LCT. You have never seen it anywhere else in the town besides here. You have to get your tickets at lct.org. Lubbock Community Theater.org. And you're going to click on Black Book. They're, we're doing a performance January 27th, January 28th, January 29th. If you don't catch on those three days, you will have missed it. It's not, oh, can I come back next weekend? Or, oh, can I see the video? No, you can't because you missed it. <laughs> so come on those days, January 27th, January 28th, January 29th. LoveItCommunityTheater.org, get the tickets. Next, we'll be doing Island Trap, the epic remixology of Homer's Odyssey. I adapted the classical literature by Homer's Odyssey, and I made a new version, what happens when Black Ulysses goes on an internal journey. This show has won Best One Man Show Off-Broadway. It's had a residency with the Assembly at Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which is the world's largest fringe festival in the world. It's won 10 awards from the Kennedy Center, Best New Play in San Diego's Fringe Festival, Best Play at uh, Inter New Zealand International Fringe Festival, and they needed a whole bunch of festivals. Then, well, at all these places, but it doesn't mean anything if you haven't seen it. People in Lubbock know what's up when we did it January 2020th, so you come back, but this time bring mom, grandma, auntie, cousin, uncle, the person who's in town for the time, because it's Black History Month, and I'm about to light it up for February. That's going to be February 24th, 25th, and 26, you didn't think I was going to be able to know the dates without looking at the card, would you? Guess what I do, because I'm not playing, and there's no games happening here. I'm your artist of resident. Guess what? That's not it. If you like both of those one-person shows, you liked me doing Speech and Debate, you like me doing Island Trap, and like, oh my gosh, I love this so much. Do you have any more? Yes, I do have more, but I also want to teach you how to make your own one-person show, which is why we're having Solo Fest starting on March 10th on Fridays from 6 to 8 p.m., for about six weeks, you'll get spring break off. Don't worry, still go to Cancun. But when you get back, we'll continue <laughs> having class. And I'm going to teach you how to make your own 10-minute or maybe half-hour one-person show completely from scratch. We're going to brainstorm the idea. We're going to write everything to the page. We're going to get you nice director, get you cleaned up. We're going to light it. We're going to sign it. We're going to design it. But we're also going to teach you how to make a flyer. We're going to teach you how to run your own ads. We're going to teach you how to make the commercial. We're going to teach you how to produce on your own. So we're going to write it, we're going to stage it, and we're going to teach you how to produce. And we'll have a showcase. And that showcase will also be me doing a stage reading of my new play, Pinocchio. Andre, yes, I adapted something too. That's going to be happening April 29th and April 30th. Yes, I don't need a cue card to tell me what day things are happening because I'm your artist in residence here at LebanonCommunityTheater.org is where you're going to get your tickets when you want to get all this stuff for Solo Fest, Island Trap, and Black Book. So I hope that you guys can come by. This is awesome. This is the first podcast we're doing. We're going to be doing a whole bunch. And I know I've talked a lot, but this is us trying to get connected with you. Yeah. So please listen to the podcast. Get your Tickets, the time is now. I'm going to the website right now. I'm going. Was that good? It was, was good. good, yeah. It was good. Yeah, you can do the thing. The outro. Oh, yeah. Well, so, see, that's, that's a good place to end the show. We've got all that information. We'll be doing more episodes, like you said. Um, we'll be doing some episodes where we go a little more in-depth on... Yeah, I'm going to cut that out. We'll do a little more in-depth on what Black Book is, and a little more in-depth on Solo Fest, a little more in-depth on Island Traps. We've got all that to look forward to next. But for now, um, to my co-hosts, our viewers and listeners, and of course to our guests, our artists and residents, thank you for being here. This has been Five Toe Places. Thank, thank you, you
Five Till Places is a production of Lubbock Community Theater. Be sure to follow us on social media for all the latest news and updates surrounding our projects and the goings-on at LCT. Our theme music is Pizza and Video Games by Bonus Points. A link to that artist and their music can be found in the show notes. Look them up. Give them some support. Thanks for being with us this week. And as always, thank you for supporting live theater in the Lubbock, Texas area and beyond. Thank you.